0: Welcome, everyone, to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity, and we come together from different backgrounds, places, and stages in life. We focus on what unites us, being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, We find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome back for another installment of our weekly podcast with fabulous Jewish women from all around the world. Today is a special podcast with a friend of mine living in Philadelphia. Hey Sophia Tamarkin. Welcome, welcome. We're excited to you? have you here. And um, I know Sophia from traveling together. We went to Thailand and that's when I got to hear how inspired this woman is. She's like on fire. You have to kind of like pour water on her sometimes to calm her down because she's just ablaze. I remember that walk when we were going to that boat ride, and we were talking, and I was thinking to myself, there's so much in this woman. I just want to bring you forward to my listeners and to my community of women, and there's just a lot that we could learn from you. So I'll just introduce you with a short bio. Sophia is a freelance writer for Chabad.org. She was born in the Soviet Union and she immigrated to the US in 1989. Now she's living with her family in Philadelphia. She runs an orthopedic company I have been the recipient of her amazing work. Oh my gosh, those shoes are my favorite, and the insoles that you made for me, amazing. You do such good work. And she holds an MBA degree, she teaches Torah, she travels the world, and she's involved with a Russian-American Jewish experience, it's called RAGE, and many other Jewish organizations. So welcome, and um, do you wanna add anything? Because I think there's some new things that aren't in your bio. I think that it's not so much about the titles, but what we bring
1: to the table. And I appreciate your kind introduction. The feeling is mutual, not just from me towards you and the the light that you bring to the world, but to all your listeners and all your fans. I always am excited to see what you bring. You always are so innovating and so loving and so non-judgmental. And if the world had more Eves, I think we would have Mashiach by now. So Uh the feeling is absolutely mutual. And thank you so much for this opportunity and all of us love you so much. Thank you for being in our lives.
0: Thank you, you. same here, it's very mutual.
1: So just tell us a little bit more. I will start from the beginning to help you understand where I am today. We need to know the first chapter of the book. I was born in 1976 in the city called Saratov, on River Volga in Soviet Union. Those of you that know the history or share my story, there's millions of us, so I'm not that unique. Um, We've been born into a communist regime that banned religion. And religion was punishable by law or a beautiful vacation in Siberia until the rest of your lives that many people have perished in. Um, So unfortunately, through generations, our traditions were lost. Very, very few people were brave enough to fight for any kind of observance or any kind of traditions. Most people, unfortunately, had to fight for basic survival. So my parents, unfortunately, Whatever they did, they didn't teach me because it was dangerous going to school as a little child. So life is not a very pleasant place where it's cold and far away from civilization. So I didn't know that I was Jewish until the age of about 9 or 10. There was no reason, as Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson once told me, he said it's like a genetic disorder that you don't want to tell your kid they have because... Like, what's the point? They can't do anything about it. It is what it is. And it's just only like a very negative, heavy weight. Like, my whole life is going to be. Just so negative it's like everyone hates me i will have most doors closed in my face so i mean i kind of heard the word jewish in the household but i didn't really know what that meant so i did write a very beautiful article on chabad.org. it's called when my best friend called me a filthy jew so i will just kind of explain to you what happened how i found out that i was jewish Um, this particular girl was born three weeks away from my birthday and my grandmother was a doctor the girl's mother was giving her a bottle and she kept on sucking on it and sucked on air in her um, lungs. And she turned you know, purple, blue, I, I don't really know. My grandmother was a doctor living on the apartment right underneath. So her mother, knowing that ambulance in Soviet Union does not come very fast, brought this baby that was literally dying to my grandmother and asked her to save her life. She was banging on the door, it was two in the morning. My grandmother saved this girl. So this girl grew up knowing that my grandmother saved her life, right? Literally, not allegorically, not spiritual, like literally she saved her life when she was three weeks old. So this girl was in the same grade as me because you know we lived in the same huge government apartment buildings that housed thousands of people. That's how people lived. Um, and every day we walked back and forth to school. And one day she was bringing me back to my house, to my apartment. We were walking my stop was first she said to me i'm not picking you up tomorrow and i was like why not <laughs> we've been walking every single day and she said well because you're a filthy kike i couldn't understand i would have to say it in russian for those that speak russian the Zhudovka means like kike like it's not a jew it's a, it's a very derogatory word so i didn't know that word i've never heard it unfortunately i did after that many times but that was my first time Of course, the word dirty, I envisioned that I'm literally dirty. Like maybe I need a bath. There was no hot water in the apartments for months. So my mother took me to like a bathhouse that everybody went to. So when I was a little girl, I wasn't dirty, but I couldn't understand what she was talking about. But I stood there frozen because I knew something horrible just happened, but I couldn't pinpoint what. Something was infinitely wrong with me. And it went from, you know, here we were, let's just say neutral at a zero. We're just walking back home. Now from zero, I went to like negative hundred and I don't even know what it was. So I was paralyzed. I remember every step we walked in silence, maybe another couple of hundred steps. And like every step was so heavy because I couldn't understand what is wrong. It's a horrible feeling when you don't know. So when I went back home, my mom was home and I repeated what I heard and she like started crying and she waited for my dad to get back home. And they set me down and they said, It's not the way she put it. That's not true. Of course, you're not dirty. Of course, you know, you're not a kite, but we are Jews and we're not loved here. And We don't belong here. We're different. So I kept on saying, like, where do we belong? And they said, well, we don't belong here. They didn't know much where we belong themselves because revolution came in 1917. My parents were already born in 1940s close to 1950 so but we are outsiders and I'm thinking to myself okay but everybody needs to belong so that moment I remember thinking if that knowledge brought me from zero to a negative 100 in one instance it has power and anything that has power can bring you from zero to plus 100 and I made a vow to my little self of nine or ten years old I don't remember the exact date it happened because obviously was just kind of life another day that if that knowledge has that much power, nuclear power, I will find a way to tap into that power and bring it from zero to a plus hundred. And um, I didn't know what that meant. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't know if this was an honest promise to myself because if life were to continue where I was, I would not have been able to do much, but I'm a fighter. I would have probably died in Siberia or in prison or whatever. But God has been very merciful to me and I got out of Soviet Union when I was almost 13 years old and I kept that promise to myself. Every day I wake up and I go back to that promise that I made to a little girl and I don't want to let her down. And I take that knowledge of being a Jew, of being an outsider, of being different and special and not belonging with other people, but belonging with people that want that light to be brought upon the world. And I make a conscious commitment day after day to bring that light.
0: So that's how it started. It's incredibly powerful. I'm just envisioning like a nine-year-old to have such wisdom and depth at such a young age and to hold hold to a commitment and to take something that could have destroyed you in a way. It could have just totally destroyed your self-esteem. You could have always felt sad for your lot But instead you held on to it and it brought you to amazing places in your life and on your Jewish journey. I
1: also have children and then they were nine. They wanted Lego and ice cream and I Mm -hmm. wanted freedom. And I was just born with this higher understanding and craving for freedom. And I do think that Hashem probably listens to some prayers out there.
0: You know, your ancestors that went through so much, the fact that you're still a proud Jew today, still alive as a Jew, is nothing less than a miracle. And it takes miracles. So it's taking a lot of uh, strings being pulled from above. And, and definitely you had a lot of, we call it, siyata deshmaya, divine assistance. Yeah.
1: I want to tell you something very interesting. When we came to the United States, I kept on telling my parents, I want to learn about God. And the whole ordeal of how we left and literally left everything behind, literally, like just we had two suitcases cases per person. And I write about that. So those that are interested to read my articles on Chabad, I write about immigration and refugee camps and what it was like to be homeless and how I was craving to have curtains and pillows. You know, we had one pillow for the entire family taking turns. So we are so lucky and fortunate. But when I came to the United States, I didn't know who could teach me about God. There was nobody. And my parents were working very long hours. So I had missionaries come to the door and ask my parents if they want to teach their children about God. I have a brother who is eight years younger. And my parents were like, wow, he's really listening to you because what are the chances someone knocks on the door and says, would you like us to teach your children about God? And they're like, yes, we have a daughter who is insane. Please teach her about God. They knew that there's Christian, Jews. We we knew obviously we were Jews, but we didn't really know Bible and Torah. We really didn't know much. So I had these friends that were missionaries that came to my house for two years. And I take really big pride in the fact that I learned with them. But when they showed me pictures of what God looks like, I just couldn't believe it. Even though I knew nothing. In my heart i thought that's not it something's not right that's not how god looks like it didn't end well because we had a friend visiting and he saw the missionaries at the house and he's like this is a jewish household why are you here and they're like what do you mean we've been here three times a week for the last two years and he's like never ever come back here again you know this is a jewish house so i lost my teachers but what i did learn is you cannot settle for anything that's less than authentic truth but i have learned and encouraged everyone that I met along the way to not settle for something that's less than truth. And if something doesn't sit with you, get to the bottom of it until it feels right. Until I get that aha moment, I don't settle. Judaism is not about this is the dogma. This is it. No, you have to seek until you find what you're looking for, this authentic truth that speaks to your soul.
0: Right. You have to challenge it, right?
1: You have to challenge it.
0: Wow. I mean, I was thinking like, you learn about God from the rabbi, but no, in your case, it was the missionaries. And it's just amazing how whatever your life has kind of thrown your way, you've learned from every experience. Quite remarkable. I think
1: that's a communal story. I think that some people teach us what to do and some people teach us what not to do. And that is just as powerful of a lesson. And I don't take it for granted. And I also appreciate humanity. I mean, obviously, I'm a observant Jewish woman and I'm so grateful for the Torah way of life and it's my guiding light and it's my compass in life but I have such appreciation and depth for all people and I love traveling and of course we travel to Thailand together and spend such beautiful time appreciating other people and cultures and there's a lot to learn from people share common humanity people want their children to be healthy and live in peace and tranquility. Most people are kind and authentic and empathetic. And most people, they're capable of loving and transcending and giving. So I'd like to think that I'm growing in my ability to love and accept people. That's, that's where I am at this point.
0: That's beautiful. So recently I did a, a Tony Robbins virtual retreat and it was with 23 and a half thousand people from 150 different countries. It was literally like a microcosm of the world, right? It was everyone from all different religions and backgrounds. And what I found so interesting is that there was so much to learn from everyone. And when we did our breakout sessions and we went through, you know, our fears and our struggles and in small groups, everyone had the same fears. Everyone had, everyone was holding the same pain. And 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 when they brought us back after these breakout sessions, Tony kind of shared, you know, you're not alone. You're not so unique. You're not, you haven't created this problem. Like it's been here for thousands of years. So in a way, in a strange way, there was like this bonding with the world, with humanity. Like we're all in this. And I love, I love how you love all people of all backgrounds. And that's something that we really practice over here. I mean, our, our program is called Inspired Jewish Women and we believe in unity without uniformity that we could all serve a little differently, serve God differently, view our Judaism differently, but really, really when we get rid of all the things that separate us, we see that we're, we're so similar in our core. So that's what I love about you, because <laughs> I think we have that same passion for for the world, for mankind, for the Jewish people. I think, Eve, that's what everybody loves
1: about you, because it's more beautiful than a physical beauty, this big heart that is capable of, of love and inclusion. I second you on that. I think that many of your listeners probably feel that same way about you, and probably they are like you, because otherwise, you know, you're attracted to people that similar to you, like Bal Shemtov said, right? It's a mirror effect. You see in people what's inside of you. So thank you again for this opportunity yeah. to be in thank your you. life.
0: A Jew is a Jew. Unfortunately, we learned that the hard way. We learned it from Hitler. When people said, no, I'm not a Jew anymore. I've converted out. I'm a priest. Hitler said, if you're born a Jew, you're going to die a Jew. It's a very harsh lesson to learn. But throughout our history, we've learned the hard way from other people, from people that do not like us or appreciate our people, that we're Jewish in our DNA, in our core. And I think we need to use that to realize that we're all one body, one guf, one neshama. The Jewish people are compared like one person. And I love that this morning, I asked you how you got into writing for Chabad.org. I said, are you Chabad? And I loved your answer, share your answer.
1: I think it's so obvious. I don't know what I am. My only title is I'm a Jewish woman. I was born in communist and communists keep putting you into boxes. You know, you were born into a box and you die in that same box. I'm not gonna put myself in any boxes. I definitely connect to Chabad because their philosophy is inclusion and love and non-judgmental giving. And definitely I think millions of people have been touched by Chabad and their authentic kindness and sacrifices you know people live in the middle of nowhere i've visited chabad in the most random places in peru and on amazon we were delivered food on a boat for three hours out of civilization you know kosher breakfast i mean we've seen chabad from africa to asia but these people they're there sacrificing their lives and i'm actually writing an article about that when we ask our children what do you want to be when you grow up it recently really bothers me because we don't ask our children like the next question is who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? It's all about what do you want to do? Oh, I want to get a license. I want to be this, a plumber, a doctor, a therapist, a lawyer, an engineer. That's very valid. I mean, I thank God have many licenses and diplomas, but I think we should ask our children in today's world is what do you want to become when you grow up? Or even adults, what do you want to become tomorrow? We need to put that focus on, on self-growth versus, you know, this superficial, you know, here's diploma on the wall. When I want to grow up, I want to be a little bit like those Chabad Shluchim that are living for other people that are sacrificing their lives. And they don't want anything in return. They're just living in the middle of nowhere. Their kids have no friends. They have Zoom classes for their children. But this unconditional giving is a very attractive and beautiful quality. So that's what i want to do when i grow up
0: <laughs> oh, i love it you should get there and you're doing it you're really doing it so i know that's that awesome. recently you won a contest a national storytelling contest and i think that's something that is very special about you but i've heard you i've watched your videos your stand up comedy routines and maybe you'll share one of your stories with us i think that what
1: we're lacking in this world today, that's just my personal opinion. It's not an opinion of anyone that I could mention right now, just Sophia Tamarkin. By the way, I've just added my, officially, I'm starting to use my Jewish name, which is Sarah Esther. It's hard to transition to a new name, considering, you know, I've been Sophia. I'm going to slowly transition to Sophia, Sarah Esther Tamarkin. I'm proud to be Sarah Esther. I think we're missing humor. I think we need to laugh a lot about what's happening, about our challenges, about our troubles. I think we're too serious. I do comedy and I do stand up and I do storytelling. And all of them, I try to use a bit of silliness, a bit of joy to bring smile to people's lives because I think we need to like chill out a little bit. Take it easy. I mean, I've been through refugee camps and we didn't have a home. We were homeless and we were hungry. And thank God that's not our case today. Most of us, we have pillows and curtains and pictures and warm food. So things are not as horrific as they seem. I think that it's important to keep the perspective.
0: I really would love for you to share one of your stories, just to, to show our listeners, it's just in case they haven't seen all the sparks of your personality so far. It's always nice to have a good laugh every day. So, okay. so choose one of your favorites. I know that you have so many. Well, I'm going to use the
1: one that I'm participating in a contest through Moth Storytelling, maybe have heard of Moth. It's an interesting company that does five-minute storytelling competitions. Everyone has a theme, and this was enthusiastic, what are you enthusiastic about. So I was born in the Soviet Union, and I was enthusiastic about one thing all the time. How do I get candy and sweets? In the stores, nothing was sold. So we would make candies, we would trade candies, we would try to find what store would have any kind of candy. So this was my activity throughout my childhood. And then one day, someone shared an idea that I developed and brought into a very ambitious plan. You see, communism prohibited connection to all countries, except for socialist countries, such as Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, um, Hungary. And most of these countries are not even on the map anymore for obvious reasons. They had wrong friends. So be careful who your friends are. But what happened was, I have decided that I'm going to find myself a pen pal, a child of my age in that socialist country that would befriend me and eventually, haha, ulterior motive, send me candies and sweets. So I, every day I would come from school, look on the map, world map, see a city in Bulgaria, for example, it would be called Sofia, I remember, because that's my name. And I would write Bulgaria, Sofia, any school number two, any boy or girl in fifth grade. I mean, it seemed like it would never, ever produce any kind of results, but I was very ambitious. So I would sit there for hours. I still remember the text of the letter, dear boy or girl, in, depending where I was writing for, my name is Sonia. I live in Sarata from the city called Volga in this beautiful country of Soviet Union. See, if you didn't write that, your letter would never get out of the country because every correspondence out of the country was read by the government. I love my city. I love my school. A lot of love. And then I would say, I would love to be your pen pal. Please send me a letter and candy in it if possible. So (laughs) see, there was not a time to be playing around. I had to get to the point fast. So I just kept on writing those letters. There was no emails, there was no Xeroxing, there was no copying machines, nothing. So I just had to write by by hand again and again. So my parents were a little frustrated with the amount of postage they had to put, spend money on postage, but it wasn't so expensive. So it kept me quiet for hours every day. So every day after school, I would go to the post box located between first and second floor of a nine story building to open the mail and see if I got the package or the letter or something. Of course, you know, nothing was there. Everybody were laughing at me. But see, I don't give up hope. I'm a very hopeful and optimistic person. It was a nine-story apartment building. And when I went one happy day into the mailbox, I opened the post box, the metal box, and in it was a letter. And right away from the envelope, I saw that it was not a Soviet letter. It was from Yugoslavia. I started screaming. I just, I just couldn't hold my excitement. I get excited quite easily. I'm a happy person, I'd like to think. I started screaming. And the echo, because it's a nine-story building, right, people started pouring out of apartments thinking I'm being hurt. Someone is hurting me. Something's not right. And I'm just standing there screaming. I managed to get that letter. And when I saw that in it was a little bump signifying that there is a lollipop, you know, the flat kind, with a stick inside, I didn't open it. i I, that's it that was it i was having a happy nervous breakdown (laughs) (laughs) love it (gasps) i I was screaming all these grandmothers that were there you know in the middle of the day they just they, they just screaming me to shut up and i just couldn't i really couldn't this was my first correspondence to you know outside of the soviet union i think most people that would have that experience considering my childhood would have a similar kind of reaction But maybe I upped it up a bit, considering my personality. So eventually, someone and got my grandmother, who lived close by and was home, like, shut her up. (laughs) So she she arrived a few minutes later. She was like shaking me. Come down, come down. So we went inside the apartment building. And with like trembling hands, I opened the envelope and retrieved a real lollipop on a stick, strawberry flavor. With, like, a beautiful wrapping. I just sat there and I started crying from joy. Like, my emotions were so out of whack. The joy I experienced that day is nothing to compare to, you know, what we experience when we grab a lollipop. Took me probably six months to finish that lollipop. I smelled it, I licked it once a day, every two hours. I had my friends smell it and lick it. I mean, not only close friends licked it. I mean, you can imagine. This is like the ultimate friendship, like, here, lick my lollipop. So I wrote a thank you letter to that boy, but I already knew his address, and we already kind of started friendship type of thing. So the government, I don't know if he ever got my thank you letter, because it was, they didn't want any kind of personal relationship. That was general, and somehow that happened. Then God was like, here you go, little girl, Just, just have this moment of joy. But unfortunately, I never heard from this boy again. But what I got out of the stories that simple acts of kindness, something very insignificant in our lives, such as, you know, sending a letter with a lollipop or smiling or giving someone 25 cents if they're running short, or just letting someone have that parking spot, which is a big deal. I get it. It could change someone's life forever. And here I am 30 years later, still dreaming and thinking and thanking this boy for this simple acts of kindness.
0: Wow. What a story. What a story. That was amazing. And I, good luck. I hope you win this contest.
1: I already won the contest. I had that lollipop.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that you see every step of your journey in life as like, this precious opportunity for growth. And I, I think today's conversation really showed that in so many different ways. Um, from the time you were a young girl until now. I mean, you're still a young girl. <laughs> young girl well, at heart, you. always, always. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for, for those lessons, the, the search for truth that you've always led with from those young days. And I, I feel like it's still going so strong. You're, you're really such a blessing and you should keep telling your stories and writing your incredible, powerful articles on Chabad.org and hopefully in many other places. And do you want to share anything just to close? I do want to share just the fact that we
1: are all very special. I'm now listening to the classes by Rabbi Manis Friedman. Many of you maybe have heard of him. He's a very profound speaker. And he said in a class that I heard yesterday was that we don't have to reach far to feel our essence, to feel our goodness, to see and and connect to our Nishama, our soul. We're eternally good and we don't need to prove. We can just be, and we can just connect to this essence of goodness inside of us. We're unique, we're special, and we are powerful. And I just want to bless all of us today that we should connect to that infinite light and shine because the world needs our light.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, that's just perfect. The perfect closing. Thank you so, so much. This was amazing. You You should be blessed and we should continue to travel the world together. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman, in plural, because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.